All right, welcome back to the show. Excited to continue on in niche November and do want to make sure you know we have a contest going on all this month. Ten of you that enter are going to win uh, one of these things we're calling a digital boost pack. If maybe getting your messaging out there online isn't your forte, it feels frustrating. We hear you, we see you, we have a solution. Uh, Ten winners going to win a, uh, a free dot physio domain that's like your website dot physio that's kind of cool to stand out uh, customizable website uh, two email addresses and some consultations with some experts christine walker of pt website secrets uh secrets and cody robinson is a uh, uh kobe robinson is a copywriter so we're going to get you hooked up with each of those people for an hour to help you craft your message. This will help you stand out to make sure people understand the great things that you can do with and for them. So uh, look in the show notes to enter that contest as we do it in niche member. Uh, this episode is brought to you by our friends. Couldn't do it without our supporters from MW Therapy. It's an all-in-one outpatient EMR. You should enjoy love using your EMR. You should. Uh, get a free demo now at mwtherapy.com. We're switching over your EMR is easy. And how how about where is your PT career going? Where is it going to take you? Uh, Jackson Therapy Partners providing awesome adventures in patient care for physical therapists who care about where they're going. You care about where you're going. Visit them at jacksontherapy.com. And uh, finally, our friends at your CBD store, getsunmed.com. Do you know exactly what over-the-counter CBD use is? is going to do to your patient's recovery process 100%? Get the ABCs of CBD at getsunmed.com. You can do that right now. Now, the episode today, we're talking with Maria Jones. Maria, in this niche vember, her her really narrow space in PT is seating and wheeled mobility. Really just figuring out how to craft the ability to use technology to the person and not the other way around. We go real narrow with Maria Jones on this episode of PT Pinecast. Enjoy. You ready to do this thing? Sure. Let's go. Welcome to PT Pinecast. We say we have great physical therapy conversations on tap at PT Pinecast and all the socials. Welcome to my birthday month. Listen to all those people cheering for me. Uh, as we continue on in niche November, we're getting into the, I, you know, remember uh, English, Thomas's English muffins had this, uh, this phrase, the nooks and crannies. You got to have the nooks and crannies of the profession of physical therapy. And to help us get into a few more nooks and at least one more cranny, uh, Maria Jones. Maria, welcome to the program. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, first question we ask is always the hardest. All right. So I know you're not drinking now because we're recording during the workday and you're a responsible adult, Maria. But if you were having a cocktail, what's your cocktail of choice? What do you like? My cocktail of choice would be a sangria swirl. Now, I have recently in the last few years gotten into sangria. Um, what is a sangria swirl? I don't know if I know what that is. It's a frozen concoction. It's oh. margarita and frozen sangria swirled together. So you were like, someone, someone was like, hey, uh, sangria is good and margaritas are good. Do you know what we should do? And they were like, let's put them together. Put them together. And I don't disagree. I like that. I am do, I'm actually doing a, a drink that is, if you're a frequent listener to the show, I don't think I've ever had one of these on here. I had mm -hmm. friends over. We mixed up a, a pitcher of Bay Breeze. I don't think I've had a Bay Breeze since college, but I'm having a Bay Breeze today. Well, cheers to you, Maria, for coming on the show. Cheers. Uh, I do have water. <laughs> Got to stay hydrated. 
Um, the uh, the first round brought to you by our friends at Owens Recovery Science, a single source for PTs looking for certification in personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training. Find them online at owensrecoveryscience.com. We're actually going to be at Sacred Heart University with uh, the teams from Owens uh, Recovery Science. So if you're in Connecticut, you can uh, check out our website and just show up to that live recording of the program at Sacred Heart University. Uh, we'll leave the light on for you. That's all I got there. Uh, all right, Maria. So we're talking about niche Vember. That's where we're celebrating my birthday month. Um, what is your niche? Let's dig into the nooks and crannies of where you have found a nice little spot for yourself in the PT profession. What do you got for us? Um, I would say assistive technology, number one, and it started out. Uh, so that's a broad category that covers sure. lots, lots of things. Um, oh, yeah. Probably more common in uh, the PT world is seating and wheel mobility, so wheelchairs. Um, so that's not really, um, a lot of people will say, well, that's not niche um, in the PT world. Right. Um, but I think because of the population that I serve, um, it becomes more niche uh, because, uh, because of the seating that is required. So it becomes more complex. Um, and just to build on that, I tend to work with people with severe developmental and intellectual disabilities, which again is not something a lot of people think about in the PT world. Yeah. So, um, so okay. Okay. So assistive technologies, seating and mobility. I know some of that, but let's mm -hmm. make sure we don't assume, right? Right. So what, what is a typical day like, or, you know, who are the, what do you get to do with the people that you get to do it with uh, in, in assistive technology? Yeah. So I work with people that have mobility impairments. So they typically do not walk. <laughs> so they need some other form of mobility to get around. They are not going to be able to use canes, crutches, walkers, kind of all our standard handheld mobility devices that we think about. So they just need another way to get around. Um, so for young kids, it can be, you know, power ride on toy cars that we can start. So like Go Baby Go project is an example. Yeah. Um, of that, but on up to more complex, you know, power wheelchairs that we see. All right, we'll get um, back into we'll get back into more of the people that you get to serve. But let's go back yeah. to you. How did yeah. you How did you get into this? I always love. It's never a straight line. Typically, it's always this twist and turns. Right. Um, how did you get into this being the thing that you sort of planted your flag in and said, "Hey, these are the people I'm going to help, and this is the way I'm going to do it." Well. You know, for me, it actually started out as a student. So one of my clinical uh, yeah. rotations or experiences was at an institutional facility for individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And, you know, we worked with them in a, a traditional way as we think about PTs doing therapeutic exercise, therapeutic activities. But we would then put them back in a wheelchair. And if their positioning wasn't right, it just started in the in my mind, I started adding up the number of hours that they're sitting in this thing outside the therapy session. Right. And somehow I'm supposed to make a difference with them. So just the clock hours in and of itself didn't make a lot of sense to me. So it's like, well, maybe I should pay more attention to the thing that they're going to be using multiple hours a day every day. And if I can make that better in terms of them being able to get around, in terms of them sitting upright, then I'm probably getting more bang for my buck there yeah. than I gonna, am with them outside of their wheelchair. You're going to make a bigger dent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something that was said to me, it's funny how you bring up like a clinical instructor. And I was just thinking about this CI that I had in PT school the other day and what they said. And it, 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 essentially they said, listen, 
when you have a human and a piece of technology or a piece of equipment, you want the equipment or the technology to serve the person, not the other way around. Remember that. And I remember thinking like, oh gosh, like I don't think I thought about it like that and could have been guilty of, well, just you adapt to this. And I remember the first time that someone actually laid it out there for me, I thought about it my own personal life. And this is not with 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 assistive technology or mobility equipment. This was with um, a bicycle and how I got a bike and started riding it. And it wasn't perfect. And I just sort of like changed how I rode because the bike was different. Well, I actually was, I was sort of dumb. I didn't realize the bike actually, there's a little screw thing. You could have actually yeah. elongated those two things. It. <laughs> but it, 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 it left an impression on me, which is like the person you're serving deserves you to change the technology. Not that they should not adapt to this technology. They should be able to be taught how to use it properly. Right. But make sure that this thing is serving them. We do not, it's not the other way around. So that's exactly, I mean, so that was kind of the entry into it. And then I kind of never looked back from there, um, just got more and more. And again, seeing a complex, um, you know, humans, um, it, it just became a puzzle to me to try to figure things out. Like this kid would never sit up. This person has trouble doing this. And um, so I, I loved problem solving, loved trying to figure out kind of how to put the pieces together to make it a comfortable, you know, kind of functional system for that person. Um, and then as we got into that, then we had people kind of able to do things that they hadn't been able to do before, um, which yeah. then branched into a whole nother thing of, oh, now they're communicating more. Now we see other things that they can do they can play with toys in a different way. So is there a way we can adapt toys? They can now, we now think they need a way to communicate. And so that really just kind of snowballed into um, looking at other areas, working with speech language pathologists to say, hey, this person now has this potential. How can we marry these things together to um, you know, allow them to use a communication device or a voice output device? So it, it really just spiraled from there, to be honest, <laughs> and There's... not being afraid to try things that had never been tried before. Yeah. Good on you. There's yeah. an author. I've suggested this book before on the show. The author is Stephen Johnson, and it, the, the book is called Where Good Ideas Come From. And he sort of paints this picture of uh, you standing on a, an infinite chessboard, right? Squares in every directions. And you can go in any of the directions. You're like a queen on this chessboard. You can go in any directions, right? Um, and he calls it the adjacent possible. Mm -hmm. So he's like, listen, you can go in any direction to get to a solution. And you and I might might approach, approach the same problem and get to the same solution or a similar solution in different ways. Mm -hmm. And it sounds as if you unlocked something, you found your way to a solution through the adjacent possible, just going one square at a time and saying, well, I don't know what we did here. And you unlocked so many other good problems. Now this person is interacting with the world in ways we didn't need to, and I'm using air quotes, worry about before. Now we get to worry about that. Mm -hmm. or we didn't think problems. about We didn't think, we didn't give them credit for the potential that they had, yeah, which was the great. other interesting piece to me. Um, and I think, you know, I started reading from parents of kids with disabilities about this presumed competence that we really should assume that everybody, regardless of the severity of their, you know, disability or their um, that they understand what's going on. And so it was just a shift in mindset for me of 
everything, kind of the world is your oyster. I mean, everything is possible and we just have to figure out how to make it happen. We're not all going to do things in the same way. Some people are going to need a lot different tools (laughs) than other people. And so my job as a physical therapist was really just finding out what are those tools and how do I get that for that person? Let's go that way. You mentioned tools. So you must, in your role as problem solver and, you know, sort of Maria MacGyver Jones, um, you must get really comfortable and looking at something, looking at a new seat or, or device mm-hmm. that's typical, that's designed for this, or even probably some non-typical devices. You brought up Go Baby Go. That's Very a non-typical device. Yep. Um, how do you, you know, when, when, when something comes on the market, what do you do? Do you buy it and start beating on it and smashing it and looking up and down and try to figure out how you can use it and, and rig it? Well, you know, the interesting part, one of the benefits of starting out working as a young professional many, many years ago at an institutional facility was we didn't have a lot of the restrictions that a lot of practices have. So we literally could just try things. Um, and so we worked a lot with providers of equipment and, you know, they would, they would come in and do an in-service and say, oh, this is indestructible. I'm like, give it to Mm -hmm. me for a week. (laughs) If you can survive this place uh, over a week, then you can say it's indestructible. So it was really that sort of thing. And then again, just, yeah, I mean, in some cases it's like, let's see if we can make this work. Um, I was also fortunate we had at the facility a shop um, that we could do lots of customization. We worked with some people who were engineers or were trained as engineers. We worked with others who we trained on the job to do a lot of these things. So um, you get you do get really good with tools. I, I'm not scared of having socket wrenches and all mm-hmm. those sorts of things around. Um and, you know, that's part of my tool bag that is always with me. I always have things that I can adjust a wheelchair, a seating system, uh, that I don't have to call somebody else to do that. Sure, that to me sure. is is something that is just a routine part of what I do. Were, were you comfortable with that before this? Or this is something you gained on this John, on the job stuff? Or is it a little, little uh, bit of Well, you know, I would say my dad had some influence. In that, you you know. He you taught go. me how to change tires on a car. So mm-hmm. I did have some, uh, you know, Comfort. previous background with it, but. I'm definitely much more competent now yeah. um, than I was, you know, previously. Well, we've danced around this bef- a, a little bit, and, and, and you know, shame I'm going to bring it up. W- where do you get to work? Like, what what's the facility? You know, what's what's the what's the place and and, and that that sort of thing? Where, where do you well, get to? Well, right now I'm in an academic institution. <laughs> yeah, all right. So, but I still do some contract work um, at private facilities that um, in homes. I mean, so again, it's really limitless where you can do this. Pretty much wherever people are that need um, equipment, that's. And, you know, I've changed positions over the years. One of the things after the um, my initial job at the institutional facility, I actually went to work at a, in a university setting, but primarily doing clinical work. Um, and it was a place called the Oklahoma Assistive Technology Center. And so that's cool. all wow. we did. So we had people from all over the state that would come to our center for evaluations of this kind. Um and so we had a team of professionals, OT, PT, speech. We did have engineers at one point that, yeah. I mean, would really just, depending on what the person's needs were, we assessed those. Uh, we worked a lot with people who supply the equipment. So DME providers, yep. uh, durable medical equipment providers. 
um, that would be there, you know, to answer. Because again, as a therapist, I can go through and do a, a very systematic uh, evaluation. I don't always know the latest, greatest equipment on the market. So that's often how I interface with those individuals is to say, hey, I need a piece of equipment that does X, Y, Z. Mm-hmm. And then they come in and say, well, these are your options to do right. that. That's so, kind of cool. Now, again, I mean, when you're in this field, you get good with the equipment. So you kind of know right. the broad range um, that that is out there and available. But technology changes fast. So All the time. Yeah, I get to work <laughs> at the, the Abilities Research Center at Mount Sinai and just hearing all the different things. Every time something new comes out, you, people like you and people that, you know, that work in, in this sort of like innovation space, Say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that that thing does that. I get it. What could it do if I put it together with this? What if I could pick a margarita and put it together with some sangria and look what we got to you? That's the perfect drink for you to have. Yeah, I just, of course. I just that. I'm like, you're just taking two things that don't necessarily go together. You're like, I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to put these two drinks together. Yeah. I wish I could patent it, but yeah, this <laughs> one can't. of my favorite restaurants is it was the Sooner Swirl. So there you go. Yeah. Um, biggest challenges in your role, if someone's sitting here listening, going, man, I, I wouldn't mind getting into that. But what are what are like some of the challenges that maybe someone might not think of just at first glance? Yeah, uh, of course, I mean, with anything, it's right. The funding of the equipment and limitations sure. that people's, um, you know, either personal finances or insurance, you know, um, but I think I've just learned that's just part of the process. And Um, you know, you learn along the way how to write things in a way according to the funding source that you're going to to access the equipment. And so that's probably the biggest frustration um, is just learning all of those, the intricacy behind depending on is it Medicare? Is it Medicaid? Is it private insurance? Um, And then how do you need to spin it based on what they view as reasonable and necessary or medical necessity? I mean, all those are very different um, depending on who's paying for the equipment. We call that a dance. You got to figure mm-hmm. out which, what kind of dance to do for whoever, who, who, who's your dance partner right now? Oh, this company, right. you, you're going to want to, this is how you're going to want to dance with them. And I remember learning that as a, as a, as a student or a new grad, just mm-hmm. go, but why do we, and just, okay, I'll explain why later. Just do it for now. Do it this way because otherwise it's not going to work. Yeah. And then learning that hard lesson. What about, yeah. what about rewards, biggest rewards for this niche and the pop and the people that you get to serve? Oh, I think it's, um, there's no doubt in my mind, seeing a kid that moves or seeing any individual, it doesn't even have to be a kid. Cause again, I see the gamut from children to adults, um, seeing a person be able to move for the first time on their own. I mean, and often just seeing family members, you know, whether yeah. they are, um, it's a developmental condition or whether it's some sort of traumatic accident or injury that has happened that they're recovering from, um, you know, gaining that sense of independence back for that person, saying that first word, playing with the toy, using a computer. I mean, all of those really are pieces of assistive technology that we as physical therapists can assist with. Um, And I think that's the, you know, that's the A number one, Um, the smiles, the, the tears, I mean, tears of joy Um, or seeing parents, um, realize that because a lot of times many of the kids that we work with you put them somewhere and they don't go anywhere (laughs) and so for the first time parents are actually having to child proof things because the kid now is able to get into trouble Mm -hmm. Uh, so i never thought i would make kids get into trouble but you know 
when you have to, yeah, when you have to, they're more, much more typical. So you have to keep an eye on them. So those things to me are um, definitely the most rewarding. Yeah. Uh, you you opened the door talking about go baby go and Cole Galloway. The first time I heard him speak, said said good trouble. You know you're not gonna yep. you didn't have to worry about that child, you know putting a fork in the light socket ever because they were the good kid who just sort of stayed where they you right. know you put them and now you get to worry about child proofing all over again when that Absolutely. kid starts to, to get everywhere. And he he was the first person in a presentation when I was a student talking about go baby go and what. Um, what a specifically a child and their aged match peers, they have, mm -hmm. they have fewer movement cycles. They've moved less, right? right. Just, just because of a nature of, of, of their, their situation. And also the psych psychological social element Absolutely. that kid didn't know how to interact with another kid because that child, uh, another child was brought to them or their parent mm -hmm. was always right behind them. So they probably did more of the talking than the kid. And I remember just like, just my mind just going, Oh gosh, never thought about that. And it right. started to open more of those doors. Like, well, now you need to think about that. We just, we opened more problems that you need to solve. So mm -hmm. how do you can mm -hmm. solve those? Well, and I think we all, most of the time as physical therapists and even the patients that we serve, we are, um, unless you're working with kids who again are kind of developing, developing when we're talking about adults, they've had lots of mobility experiences. So, th so right. they learned all of that and then something catastrophic happens. And of course the natural tendency is we got to get them back to walking. And that's a little bit of an ableist mindset, right? We even right. think about it. Like sure. I would be horrible in a power or a wheelchair, you know, but it's because we don't know any different. Um, and I think what that's one of the other things that I think is to me a reward is teaching people that wheeled mobility is not a bad outcome. It's really just mobility, regardless of what you used to do it. If you can get from point A to point B and you have enough energy to enjoy your family and to do the schoolwork and or to go to work, then that's a win. Um, and so really shifting, I spend a lot of time talking to our students about ambulation sometimes is not the ultimate goal. For some people, it can be a huge, um, we may want to work towards it, but it's not the be all end all. And we mm -hmm. really need to not uh, make sure that we're not constraining somebody because that's the way we think yeah. mobility should be. And yeah. so let's, um, not, let's not project what we're thinking or feeling or what, let's not project those things. Right. That's important. Yeah. Um, you know, working in assistive technology, it's got that that word that sounds very futuristic, right? Technology. Technology is always about the future. But what do you see? Because you've been doing this for a while. You probably have a, a, a pretty good finger on the pulse because you've been doing it for a while. Mm -hmm. What are some things that you think the the future of assistive technologies is going to be? I mean, I feel like we're I feel like we're innovating and and progressing faster and faster, right? I mean, remember the jump yeah. from like, right and, in, and in I don't this. even think, I mean, the sad part is, I don't, I think our mind is not capable of thinking where we're going to, I mean, wait, what is going to be technology hasn't even become an idea yet. I mean, right. I, no, you're right. So when I think about, I mean, did we think five, 10 years ago that we would be doing this? No. no. I mean, I could have never dreamed to well, say, I, I, I mean, I was doing this seven years ago. It's maybe seven yeah. years ago. Okay, was, well, but, ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the idea, I'm right? Aging myself with technology, but well, right. That, that's what you you know. I, I'm working with an organization now, and they're trying to rent. They're trying to innovate something that they've done for a long time, for 15 years. And they said, "Let's ask the audience. 
And adoption for this thing, this it's an event. Adoption for the event has been slowly slipping for the past 14 years. And they said, let's ask the audience. And everybody in the, in the room was like, yeah, let's ask the audience. They'll know. And I was the lone voice of dissent. And I was like, here's the thing. If you ask the audience what they want, they're going to tell you they want faster horses and brighter candles. And that's the, that's the analogy or the mindset of when you had candles and horses as your main, main mode of light and transportation, you were not envisioning LEDs and, um, and cars. You, your mind couldn't wrap around it. Right. So I, I said, go back to the emotion. Everything's mm -hmm. an emotion, right? Uh, transportation, a horse and a car, the emotion is connection. Can you do the right. connection faster? How can you adapt these things? Right. It's illumination. It's I want to feel secure. I want to feel safe. I want to explore. Great. That's LEDs to candles to LEDs. So I think the innovation, it really has to be an emotional want and need right. and a want for it to drive innovation. Um, yeah. I mean, the one thing I can say is, I mean, I'm stealing these words from someone else, right? The only constant is change. Right. But I also think with innovation, especially in this space, the only constant is going to be change at speed. Like we are, this is right. not slowing down. Like I remember watching Metallica rage against Napster for music sharing and just being like, mm -hmm. you know, 21 going, dude, the genie's out of the bottle, my man. Techno you, you can't, you can't innovate against an innovation to stop it. It's, it's not going to work. Right. You either join in or you're the old guy yelling, get off my lawn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, um, I just lost my train of thought where I was I going with that, but I think, um, yeah. And I, well, I know what, where it was. This is where I was going mm -hmm. that we as therapists need to inform. So when we see, and this is something when I think about product development, product design is probably something I'm much more comfortable about now and trying to, even the people that are using the technology say, hey, you need to tell manufacturers when this is not working, this is what doesn't work about this. How can you so yeah. go back to your research and development people and say, we need a product to do X, Y, Z. And right. so I'm much more comfortable now about this is what I love about your product. This is what mm, this really needs a lot of work. <laughs> and the distance between Maria and the person at that company who really needs to hear it to actually make change is right. the distance is smaller than ever. That oh, feedback loop absolutely. is faster and faster. I mean, 30 years ago, let's say you had a, a toy and you as a therapist, like, hey, if you came up with this thing, thousands of more kids would be able to enjoy it like how long that process would have taken just for the person who needed to hear it to maybe get that message right. and then do something about it that feedback loop is so fast right now i mean there's yeah. an author named seth godin who i tell people to read all the time and he's really thought of as a business slash thinker guy who writes mm -hmm. books but he talks about that feedback loop and how a really really good innovative organization a brand or product or service paying attention to what even if it's especially if it's like the bad stuff. Oh, I don't like how it does. Like, I know that's tough to hear. Separate yourself from that emotion and and really look at what they're saying. They're saying they love it enough that they wish you'd be better. Right. Can you change that one thing? And they're going to love the hell out of it. And I think that yeah. the feedback loop is so small and so fast now that yeah. we can have those innovations. And that's great. Well, and I think we didn't listen to, the, again, the users of the technology. I mean, we didn't even think to ask them. They, we just thought they should be happy with what they got, right? right. <laughs> and insurance companies still think that a lot. Correct. So I think it's it really took a while to change even our mindsets. Like we can inform. We're the ones that know. We're the ones that see the people using it on a day-in, day-out basis. They see the limitations 
you know, those sorts of things, whether it be transportation, whether it be, and this is my other niche, architectural modifications. So this is where I can get and can't get because of the limitations of this piece of equipment. Right. And so how, how can we, again, as therapists, how can we help with that? Um, and then as consumers or users of the technology, just making sure that that feedback is, is constant. Uh, yeah. It shouldn't all be, you know, I, it's great if everything works the way that it's intended, but um, making sure where it doesn't or where you think improvements can be made, all you have to do is make a, su a suggestion. They can say I mean, no. Working in architectural modifications, you must have seen that photo. And it looks like it's a college campus mm -hmm. of a sidewalk that goes in four directions. So it's mm -hmm. like two paths crossing, right? And it says uh, design and then user experience. And it shows like the beaten path where people have walked and they've cut the corner. Right. And to yell at the people who've cut the corner and not walk the full 90 degrees on concrete is like saying like, come on, you know you do it. Everybody does it. So why don't you adapt to that or, or build that into the cake? Right. Yep. That's that's looking at it and saying the person will adapt to this. Nay, 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 nay. It's the other way. Yeah. It's got to be the other way around. The yeah. the thing, the technology should adapt to the person. Yeah. And that's where really when I started out, again, I was at an institution. So the facility was wide. The hallways were wide. Well, then I got we were, you know, people were moving from that environment into more a community-based environment, which is a regular home. Well, mm -hmm. guess what? Yeah, that different. wheelchair that was great around the facility sucked when we got Real in, in a home that had a 23 inch door and it's like what in the world so that's where um you know how can how can we modify the environment to make it work for yeah. again the equipment that the people are using so no, no matter if they're a student a new grad or someone who's been in the profession for a while what would you say to someone who's listening to you right now going you know what i've always been thinking about doing that. i didn't realize i could do a whole, I could make that my whole role as a therapist mm -hmm. what would you say to that person who's like you know what they're on the end of a diving board to jumping into this and they need that nudge what would you say just jump yeah, <laughs> I right. mean, that it really, it's like, did I know what I was doing as a young new therapist? No, but that's where I say it was clinical reasoning, though. This is the number of hours this person's going to be spending in here. This is the number of hours I'm seeing them in a treatment session. You know, which one wins out? I mean, that's literally what started me down this path. And then it was, you know, again, moving people from an institutional facility to a community. And it's like, okay, now we've got barriers in the environment that we got to take care of. And so who better, we know those things, right, right, than a physical therapist to do that. And I, you know, I will say our occupational therapy counterparts are much more in this space than we are as physical therapists. So I think we block ourselves in way too frequently um, when it, when it comes to, um, assistive technology and architectural modifications. Maria, um, yeah. Are you ready to play, to play three questions? Oh, sure. Three questions. Let's do it. All right. Three questions brought to you by our friends from physical therapy and balance centers. You want to open a practice? Okay. You're thinking about selling a practice you've established. Both of those can be daunting. How about this? On average, a private practice that joins the physical network grows by more than 40%. They've done this, and you don't lose autonomy. That's the thing. It's still your practice. You're going to grow with them. So find out more about doing this, opening your own, growing it, selling your practice at physicalfranchise.com. That's F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L franchise.com. All right, three questions. If someone in the audience wants to learn more about assistive, assistive technology, 
where would you send them? Somewhere they can learn more with it. Person, resource, website. They want to dive in. They're on the driving board. They heard Maria say jump. What do they jump into? Ooh, that uh, I would say if they want to explore more in the seating and mobility realm, I would or um, I would go to like an international seating symposium as a conference. That's probably a number one. Yeah. Uh, the other areas uh, of assistive technology, closing the gap is probably another conference uh, more on the educational side, but gets into all sorts of technology and again, how Perfect. you use it to teach kids to, to learn. So those would be the two um, settings. Um, and again, find out who has this passion within your area. There, there are people yeah. that love to talk about it. So. Good call. Well, talking about people, who is someone the audience should uh, should learn more about? Is there someone who's who's speaking on this frequently, writing, talking, podcasting, doing something about this frequently that someone could look up? Maybe there's not. Maybe maybe it could be Maria. Maybe Maria should have her own podcast. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> no. 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 Not me. Um, gosh, there are so many. Um, Any good companies that 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 not only sell something but also with it provide good education. Well, I think a lot of the major wheelchair companies um, are savvy enough to do that. Yeah, have a component of that these days. And even your uh, durable medical, local durable medical equipment providers are often doing training and they connect with the manufacturers of the equipment. Um, So I would connect with some of those. Yeah, to to think of one. And of course, I'm drawing a complete blank. We're going to have 15 answers recording. That's how it works. Huh? So you're going to have 15 great answers as soon as we stop recording. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Third question on three questions. Why should someone care about this topic we're talking about today, seating and mobility and physical therapy? Why is it like when you're you're talking to students or when you're talking to other therapists or you're talking to people, like why is this like just important and someone should plant their flag in it? Uh, Because at some time in your life, you're going to have an athlete that's injured. You're going to have a family member that experiences a loss of mobility. And um, they need to have somebody like you um, that's that's ready, willing and able. I mean, that's why I tell my students all the time. I can't tell you any more special tests about upper extremity, lower extremity. But if you need a wheelchair, I'm your person. Be that <laughs> they kind person. of laugh at me now, but I'm like, just yeah, remember yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, they're going to remember that. All right. That's three questions again from our friends at Physical Therapy and Balance Centers. Physicalfranchise.com. Remember, they spell it funny. F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L franchise.com. Last thing we do on the show, Maria, is called The parting shot. All right, the parting shot brought to you by the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. Just released a couple of new independent study courses. That's like uh, master classes for orthopedic PTs. They've got their current concepts of orthopedic physical therapy. That's their gold standard in the fifth edition. No matter where you are in your career, that thing will help you get to the OCS exam, the starting line, confidently and competently. Also got uh, uh, their course on headaches, the female athlete, uh, micro learning on CrossFit athletes. If it's related to orthopedics, they've got a course for it. Check it out now at orthopt.org. Maria, the last thing is the parting shot. It's your last chance for a mic drop moment or a soapbox statement. What would you want to leave with the audience today? Um, I think it would be, again, just consider, see that person um, that you're assisting as a human and look at what would happen if you had no form of ability. Um, or you were, your access was limited to an environment and how, what 
uh, difference that would make in your opportunities to live the life that you wanted to live. Love that. That's really, really good advice. Think about that. Be, be that person. Become the person that you might need at some right. point in your life. Maria, appreciate you doing this thing, talking about this thing, teaching this thing, advocating for this thing, trailblazing, innovating this thing. Uh, and thanks for coming on the show for Niche well, Member. Thanks for having me and happy uh, birthday month. Birthday month. Everybody's celebrating the birthday month. They say the best conversations happen at happy hour. Thanks for coming ours. Like what you hear? Tell a friend or leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. The show today is brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. The Brooks IHL offers seven on-site PT residencies, including orthopedics, women's health, geriatrics, pediatrics, sports, and neurology, as well as a neurologic OT fellowship, a competitive OMPT fellowship, and a speech therapy clinical fellowship. Therapists that complete a residency or fellowship through the Brooks IHL will markedly advance their knowledge and skills in a specialty area of practice. Learn more about how a residency or fellowship can help you advance your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. PTPinecast.com. Created by Build PT. Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. To providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at BuildPT.com. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It is hosted and produced by PT Pinecast CEO Jim McKay and CBO Sky Donovan from Marymount University. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.